Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game. Broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. Any reaction, obviously, to the... You know, I think that's a game that is going to be talked about for a long, long time. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, it it wasn't – it didn't win the national championship. So I don't know that will be quite up there with the Warren Morris game, but um, it's pretty close. I mean, it's um, high drama. Uh, I was pretty hard on Wake Forest yesterday, and they probably should have won the game last night. In my mind, the vast majority of the time that you have a runner on third with one out, especially if you play baseball, you should win. I mean, you should score that run. Now, and now, scoring a runner from third with less than two outs doesn't always mean you're going to win. But in this situation, it it, it would have meant that, that you won. Uh, and again, that's why we were talking about this yesterday. I, I understand that especially if you're kind of a power-hitting team and you're used to scoring a ton of runs – that you you know you don't really ever really want to bunt, but that and look the bunt, but there are times if you that you're just you just have to have the ability to do so. You don't have to do it all the time. You just have to have the ability to do so. And Wake, he look he got the bunt down, and it wasn't an awful bunt. LSU made a nice play on it. Did 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 you did we did you ever see an angle like did he get a is he that slow the runner that was that got thrown out at the plate or did he get a bad jump I'm I never saw that angle on the squeeze bunt yeah I'm get yeah I'm guessing it was full safety and not suicide squeeze there because I thought the same thing um, and I actually said that in the first show if he was more aggressive then you score that run easily right you're not supposed to. If the play's executed perfectly, there's not even supposed to be a chance at a great play. Right. And But if you're doing the safety squeeze because you're not as confident in your bunner, then you bring in that opportunity for them to make a great play, and I guess that's what happened. Yeah, I was I was like, man, this cat must like Candy Maldonado must have been running down the third baseline right there. But, um, no, you know, and that it was looking like it was going to be like a Nolan Ryan loss where you're virtually unhittable, but you lose the game because you're because of wild pitches and uh, not so much walks and wild pitches in the Nolan Ryan case, but wild pitches uh, that almost cost him the game. But Wake did not properly execute it. It wasn't awful, but it wasn't what it needed to be. And LSU made the play. And uh, I mean, at the time, you just you just kept. You kept waiting, like, eventually someone's going to hit a home run for LSU. You just – I mean, I felt that as, like, when, especially after 
Wade got thrown out at the plate because Wade didn't look like they were nowhere near to hitting a home run. Like, they didn't come close. So I was like, eh, I, I think LSU's fixing too. I think LSU's fixing to hit a home run, and of course they did. Uh, you know, pulling the pitcher is something that, you know, you're going to hear a lot of people who are going to say, well, shouldn't have pulled the pitcher. It's, you know, the closer to me was very impressive every time I saw him pitch. So I can only be so critical of pulling the pitcher. But again, 7060111, any thoughts you have? You know, I've already heard the speculation that Florida has an advantage. I guess you could say that. They have an advantage in that Skeens is, you know, not going to be a major factor, if a factor at all, in the championship series. But, and so theoretically, Florida's got a, will have a pitching advantage. But um, we've already seen, if you haven't noticed, several LSU pitchers stepped up. Huge. So just because your regular season stats aren't tremendous does not mean that you can't pitch well. And I think what we all have to do is make the adjustment. This is not an SEC series. In other words, you're not playing in a popcorn park. We talk about that theory, you know, here and there during the some I, sometimes. All of us, we have this idea of what it was like all season in that, well, LSU's pitching was a question. Well, if LSU's pitchers, not saying they would have pitched this well all year, but if they had played every series at Charles Schwab Field in Omaha, Nebraska, their pitching would have been better. It just would have. I mean, it's just the most of the SEC is popcorn parks. And so... It's just, it's different. And so, one, you have to have the ability to handle the pressure of the moment, no question. That part is different, playing in Omaha. But I I think we have to, our idea of what these pitchers are are based on how they pitched in the regular season when the games are a lot more high scoring. Uh, You know, a lot more high scoring. And so... It's just, it's it's different here. Now, I much prefer this. I mean, I love the history of Rosenblatt Stadium, and I don't know that all the runs scored from the mid-'90s for, the, for about 10 or 12 years was really Rosenblatt Stadium's fault. It was kind of, you know, the steroids and all the other things that were going on at, at that time, and the bats have changed and all that. So there are a lot of other factors that played into all that silly gorilla ball junk. But, um... But I, I just I I don't I don't have a vivid memory of every single College World Series. So someone who's much more of a College World Series historian than me could pr- maybe come up with one that's better. But I think this is the best College World Series that I could ever remember. Now it's not over yet. I guess if Florida or LSU win both games 10 to nothing, you know, and it's a sweep in the championship series, 
maybe that could tweak that a little bit and you'd have to kind of tone down, you know, that kind of a statement. But with two or three games left, with the championship series left to be played, and because the two teams know each other so well, I I, I kind of think the championship series are, are going to be at least somewhat competitive. I I I think this is going to go down as the best college world series ever that I could ever remember. Yeah, I thought last night was beautiful in every aspect of baseball, and you know I tweeted that I thought it was even better that in a lot of situations in a lot of ballparks, and I said this on the first show, but I think it's 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 really what I took from it. A lot of games and a lot of instances, that game would have been won by whoever hit a cheap homer some point in the game, or two. A couple solo shots that just carried out. The way the wind in the park played, it made it to where that wasn't the case, and you had to earn a run against the two best pitchers in the country, and nobody was able to get them, and then it became a bullpen game, and you were going to have to earn it then. And then, you know, the homer that was hit was a no-doubter. I don't think there's any question about the legitimacy of that home run, um, but to, to, to have it come down to really truly earning a run defensively I thought both teams were pretty much flawless uh even a couple of balls that wake bobbled they still got the out and I thought they did a good job staying with the plays a couple nice sliding catches in the outfield obviously Morgan's play from first was fantastic and then yes you do have to turn the page and it becomes difficult for LSU without skeins but as we've been saying how much of this team and we talked about this with TCU how much of this team do you think about the pitching for the first you know which again at the beginning of the year they were good and then they were bad and then they were good and but how much do you worry and how much do you say, well, look, every every single guy in that bullpen's last outing was great outside of, you know, what, maybe the an inning pitch. or two from Cooper? Yeah. yeah, like it's – so everybody's pitching well for them right now. They'll, they probably aren't going to need more than the guys that we've already seen in the World Series, right, because everybody's going to be coming back at various stages of this series. So it's not like you're going to have to be throwing Christian Little or somebody who hasn't thrown an inning in the World Series. And if those guys pitch the way they pitched against a very good offense in Wake Forest and a decent offense in Tennessee, then they're going to have a chance. And Florida, again, doesn't have as dominant front-level guys as Wake Forest had. So it's not like they're out of it, but it's certainly uphill when you don't have your best guy. No question it, it, it does make a difference, but I don't, I don't know if it'll make as big a difference as some of us are thinking, but we'll see. That's As they say, that's why... Uh, they play the game now. What was your first thought when Wake through the went to the closer? Were were you good with it? Who gave up the home run the first pitch? Yes. Yeah, I mean the, the the one I questioned more than that was Louder coming out, and that worked out for him. But I understood they probably had stricter ideas of pitch counts and stuff, and and you know Johnson let it go a little more with LSU and Paul Skeens. Um, but at eighty eight, and the fact that he was just cruising, he didn't have any high stress innings at at, at the end there. So that's always, for me, you know, I felt like they could have stayed with Louder longer. But again, that worked out. They got out of the jams in Massey came in. I was okay with them going to Manassas. He's been their best guy all year. He was their number one option. It's a righty-on-righty matchup. I thought that it's tough for them because they actually, Massey did the work to get ahead of Cruz and then hung a breaking ball. And Cruz is not going to miss that many times in a row. He had had a rough night. So I thought, you know, I don't want to say you lost the game there because White hits a homer, and I guess it's a homer anyway, but that changed the mentality. I think they knew it was uphill. And the other thing is, and it's still it's funny to hear Tommy White say he wasn't looking breaking ball. And the, the broadcasting crew at the time said, oh, sitting slider, and he got one. He said afterwards he was looking fastball, and he just saw a slider, threw his hands at it, and hit the ball 400 feet. That's kind of just a special guy. And, yeah, and it well, was a get-me-over slider, and, you know, it wasn't even a terrible pitch. It was kind of outside on the outside corner, and... 
It Tommy was White up, threw the though. hands at it. It, yeah, was it was up, up and probably but not it was a, up But it was a get-me-over slider on the first pitch because he's trying to set him up for something. He doesn't think he's getting ambushed on that. But Tommy White made a great swing. A- 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 absolutely. So it was uh, – and obviously he's had just an incredible season. I mean, you talking about, you know, 100 RBIs or whatever he has in a, in a college baseball season is very, very impressive. So, again, any thoughts you have – about the matchup with Florida or what you saw against Wake Forest and last night's game, tremendous. You know, most fans love offense. That would because of the significance of the game, I think it was one of the rare times last night that even the the baseball fan that needs runs scored normally to enjoy it could enjoy last night's game. And I think Maybe they wouldn't have enjoyed it if this was a game played, you know, in some tournament in March. They wouldn't have enjoyed it or February. But because it was, you know, winner take all to go to the College World Series championship series, I um I think a lot I think it's gonna go down as as one of the great games and victories in LSU baseball history. And that's saying something because obviously they've Played a lot of great games, especially in Omaha. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back. It is Friday, so we've got some more work to do on our Footnote Summer Project. I'm still trying to get my mind straight from yesterday's meltdown um, on the air. And um, I don't think people understand how much of a conflict that is in my mind. And we'll talk about that and more on the other side. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to the game's YouTube channel at the game, Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh man, some some days you need that. I, that that was that was a great choice there. Appreciate that. Welcome back to Footnotes. The game hotline is 7060111, 7060111. Man, so the Astros open up a 10-game road trip. They are kind of limping along right now. This this could it's still early. We're not even to the All-Star break yet. So I don't want to act like it's you know live and die, you know, hanging off the edge or anything. But a 10-game road trip can can cripple a team if it, you know, if you go 2 and 8 or something crazy like that. Now, and the great thing about the Astros situation normally during this great run they've had the last 6-7 years uh is they're a better road team than they are a home team most of the time. Like they are a really good road team. So that that normally helps to minimize a disaster the amount of times you have a disastrous road trip but you're playing the punks tonight in LA 
uh, late game. And then tomorrow night, by the way, if you're an Astro fan and an LSU fan, could be some like a serious Astro fan and LSU fan, do some flicking because they're both playing at 6 o'clock Saturday. Some, as Big Dave would say, be doing some, a lot of flicking there. Um, and then Sunday, the Astros play the night game against the Punk, so it's going to be some more flicking there too. Uh, going to be played at the same time. But, I, you know, the Punks are pitching to Sheehan tonight. They, you know, new guy, they're pitching Miller, who throws the ball, averages about 90. Can you imagine that? Kind of like skiing. Can you imagine averaging about 99? I don't know if you saw the graphic last night. There's only two pitchers in the major leagues this year that averaged the kind of velocity that skeins threw in, in his first game in the College World Series. Um, and one of them is this this rookie or, you know, just came up for the, for the punks, Miller, and that's who the Astros are facing on Saturday. He throws really, really hard. And so we'll see how how that plays out. But remember, the last four games of this series, of this 10-game road trip, is at Texas. And we talked about this a couple of um, weeks ago. The Astros have been playing the Rangers for a long time now. These might be the most meaningful Astro-Rangers games for both teams. You know, for years it was really meaningful for the Rangers, not so much for the Astros, and then it was really meaningful for the Astros, not as much for the Rangers. But now that they're both above 500, both playoff contenders, these might be the most meaningful ones ever. So I'm not going to say I'm looking forward to it because I don't know if the Astros are ready for it, but it, a lot, some people are going to be looking forward to it for sure. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning, Foot. How you doing this morning? Good, sir. How are you? Oh, man, doing good, doing good. Uh, it's good to hear you back in a better mood, you know, and you're enjoying your hammock season and everything. Just don't don't get back on the tangent you were getting on uh, yesterday about, you know, know what I'm talking about. 17. But, uh, huh? 17, that's what they're telling me. They're telling me Z28 is going to have a Jim Everett season, number 17. He's, he's going to play 17 games. I mean, this is the way I see it, but okay, this is the way I see it. What's gonna happen is gonna happen. You gotta get that in your mind. What's gonna happen? You can't control what's gonna happen. If you play 17 games, if you play, what's gonna happen is gonna happen. You know? I mean, you can't stop it from happening. But anyway, uh, I wanted to kind of chime in on that LSU game last night. Uh-huh. You know, uh, uh, it was it's heck of a game. I ain't got a lot of heck of a game. But you had mentioned the uh, Warren Morris game when they played Miami. Uh, in the World Series, I, I, I think that's going to, I mean, it's, it, it's hard to top that game. I remember watching that game when I was little. And that game, man, it, it was, they had so many ups and downs in that game. One team would go ahead, and, I mean, the other team would come back. And, and I think if I remember right, Miami was the overall, like the overwhelming favorite to win to win that game because they had so many stars on that game. Well, it won the I national mean, championship. Now, the Warren Morris home run might not have gotten to the warning track at Schwab Field. But that doesn't matter. They right. weren't playing at Schwab Field. But no, that game is bigger because it won the national championship. But 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 yeah, this one uh, is going to be had a lot more ups yeah. and downs in that game as, as well. You right, know what I'm it was saying? higher scoring. Correct. Yes. R- right. Uh, 
Now, I got a couple of your, uh, this is the last day for managers. Uh-huh. I thought of a couple of uh, other guys. One, not so much, but the, the, the second one I'm going to say is, I think is uh, probably one of the most underrated. The first one I'm going to say, bring up is uh, Ozzie Gia. Uh You know, when he coached uh, the White Sox or whatnot. And then the second one I'm going to bring up is Jim Leland. I mean, he, he won uh, the Marlins' first ever World Series championship. You know, and I think he won a few more with Detroit or one with Detroit or something like that. I'm not sh- I'm not sure. But uh, if you can kind of chime in on that and uh, enjoy your weekend. All right. Thank you for uh, the call. Have- Jim Leland uh, won 1,769 games, had a winning percentage of 506, which is not tremendous. He went to three World Series, uh, won one, that one with the Marlins that he saw him out. And I've always respected him. And so I certainly would not dismiss him, but I don't know that he um, – I don't know that I would put him as one of their two or three most underrated just because I think he was always pretty highly thought of, uh, Jim Leland, pretty respected um, as a man. And I do think he was a great manager. Uh, I don't have Ozzie Gian on this list. I'm going to have to look him up. Boy, he, he is – a guy that you most people either love or hate because uh, he's just volatile. I don't – a lot of those kind of people I'm kind of in the middle of. I, I'm normally kind of think differently than most people. I don't love or hate Ozzy Gian. I You, you got to – you know, sometimes he would say crazy stuff, but a lot of it's just out of – competitive passion so I don't normally have a problem with that depending on how someone does it but he um he was kind of old school kind of volatile uh do you have his winning percentage in yeah I mean he's a shade over 50 percent he's got the world series that happened in his second year but only made one other playoff appearance so you know I don't know I it's it seems a little more one hit wonder than than underrated for me but now, for a Red Sox fan, I, w- I was kind of expecting him to say Dick Williams. Like, Dick Williams is kind of the Larry Brown of major of major league managers. You know, Larry Brown was kind of hard to get along with at times, but was thought of as, like, just basketball genius type guy, just a great coach, like, kind of uh, like a coach's coach, maybe not a player's coach, but like a coach's coach. Like this guy was an X and O genius kind of a guy and at times rubbed people the wrong way, but you just kind of knew that he was playing a higher game in his mind than most people are. And I think Dick Williams was kind of like that. Dick Williams' uh, winning percentage was 520, won 1,571 games, won, went to four World Series and won two of them. And one of those four was with the Red Sox. So I I um I kind of think he's one of the more underrated managers. You know, one of the things that surprises me is when you grew up in the era that I did, Whitey Herzog was so highly respected. And you look at his his statistics or his wins, he had twelve hundred eighty one wins. He, his winning percentage was 532, which is good, but not great, great. And he went to three World Series and won one. Just now he got cheated in one of those. 
but still, he went to three World Series and won one. So, and again, great career. I don't have anything bad to say about him, but I just kind of thought that those numbers would be a little better than they were. Then they've got the Buck Showalters of the world. Buck Showalter has won 1,686 games. One of the winningest managers ever. He's got. He's never been to a World Series. He's kind of like, kind of like Marty Schottenheimer. You know, won a lot of games, had a lot of winning seasons. Never went to a Super Bowl. Now it's not all his fault. And we talked about it at the beginning of this process that baseball managers probably have less of an impact on whether his team actually wins a championship. I think they have a good impact on whether they make the playoffs or not. But once you get in the playoffs in an individual game, I don't think a baseball manager has the direct impact on the whether you win a game like games five of in the you know in the old five game best of five ALCS or NLCS or game seven of the World Series because they're not like calling play. I mean, you call plays in baseball, but it's not the same as calling plays in basketball or an offensive coordinator who's a head coach who calls the plays in football and in every single. Uh, possession, you you know, it's a this chess match between you and the coordinator, defensive coordinator, or vice versa. So I I, I think be, the game of baseball is 162 games plus the postseason, and that's kind of the the impact that a manager has is over the long haul. Can he manage his team chemistry and can he not wear out his bullpen and all that kind of stuff? Is not a one game thing. It's more of a a 162 impact that a, that a great manager has over a, a, a other manager that's not as good. And by the way, before we take a timeout, because we're due one, another great example yesterday of just baseball just being different. The Kansas City Royals are off to, I mean, one of the worst seasons. And I mean, they are like, we were all laughing at the Oakland A's. The Royals are actually playing worse baseball than the Oakland A's. Like they, they are they have been, I don't know, and I didn't expect them to be this bad. They've been awful. Well, they went on the road yesterday and came from behind and beat the team that's been that's had the best record in Major League Baseball all season long, the Rays. And the poor Rays. They lost, you know, injury after injury after injury. Yesterday, McClanahan left the game. Don't know why. I haven't heard an update in the fourth inning. If they lose him too, it's just like, it's unbelievable. It's probably a good thing our friend Eric is in Jamaica right now because or wherever he is because hopefully he's not paying attention to his phone and he doesn't know that McClanahan's hurt because he might not make it back. He might get lost in the Gulf somewhere. We don't want that. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back with more. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. We'll finish up our week of Major League Baseball managers. Next week is always a little different. Uh, no matter what the Footnotes Summer Project is, high school week is normally a little different because certain people have um, – you know, some passion about the high school coaches and players they played with or followed or played for or whatever the the theme of the summer is. And, and the theme of this summer is coaches. And in, for baseball, that means managers, but it's all the same thing. Um, so next week, we're going to be doing high school football coaches. So get your thoughts and I'm sure – Anyone who's lived in this area any amount of time who might have played high school football or you're a fan of a certain school or um, admired an opponent that was a district opponent maybe or whatever. There's all kind of ways you can have opinions on coaches over the years. Uh, Certainly feel free to call and certainly we we want you to call. Obviously, we we talked a little bit about that on Wednesday when Coach Cook was in with Galen White. And and if you have not heard that yet, we don't probably do this enough. Promote going online. If you're on Twitter, we send out the link after every day after the show, or you can just log on to 1037thegame.com um, and get the replay of that. If you're a high school football fan or admirer or follower of local high school football, that was a treat to talk to Coach Cook and Galen White, who wrote a book, if you haven't heard about Coach Cook, that's going to be coming out fully, like in September, I believe he said, but uh, they're kind of starting to do promotional stuff right now. So look forward uh, to that. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, I mentioned 17 and joking about, Jim Everett and all. I mean, when I think of 17 with the Saints, that's that's kind of what, 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 what comes to mind. In about six weeks from now, I'm going to go from my year Pat Swilling into my year Ricky Jackson. That's getting up there. Getting, getting old. But the thing... You know, for a long time, and I think people now or some are starting to understand that 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 previous perception about me was wrong, in that I'm a um, negative sports fan. I don't think I'm negative at all. I think that I have certain theories about sports that some people interpret that as being negative, but. What I am is fearful, and I want to believe what was said to me yesterday. What I try to do is I begin emotionally, for those who don't know this, some, some of y'all figured this out years ago. I, I as, a, as a fan, try to emotionally prepare myself for the worse. So when it comes, I'm not caught off guard and totally devastated. 
So, like, if it's if it's the seventh inning of a game and things are not going well, I'm like, I cannot believe we lost this game. I cannot believe we're going to lose this game. I cannot believe we're going to lose this game. So if we lose it, I'm already halfway down that road. But if we win it, then it's just tremendous relief. So you enjoy the wins more that way. That's just the way I look at things. So it's just, it's the same situation with this whole idea about whether Z28 is going to play or not. I've already, like I said yesterday, I've already began preparing myself for him never playing another snap for the Saints again because it's not looking good. He's, you know, I, I don't know when he's going to get suspended. I saw him be very play with a, with, without much interest in being on the field a lot over the last two years. Now, I think his interest in playing is about to be escalated because they have a true NFL veteran quarterback who's capable of making all the throws and and hopefully he's got a wide receiver back that's healthy. I mean, who knows if it's real or not. But so I want to believe that playing obvious, you know, we're joking kind of about 17 to make a point. I mean, if he played 15 games, I'd be ecstatic. Ecstatic. If he plays 17, that's like, you know, way more than than any of us would think. But I, I'm worried if he gets suspended eight to ten games and then he's hurt for the other three, then, then like, we're going to be doing all this talking for nothing. I just cannot go down that road emotionally. Not now, I could have done that in 2010, but not now after the last two years of just injury after injury and injury after injury and disappointment and you know playing with half of a team and all that. I just I just can't go down that road right now. So I want to believe it, but it's very difficult for me to to, to go down that road because I I mean you want to talk about. What's that stupid show they had? Naked and afraid. That's kind of what I'll feel like as a fan. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Uh, did anyone name? Did anyone mention Dusty Baker? Uh, I mentioned him in passing and read his stats, but no, not enough. I, I, I you know, Dusty's got over two thousand wins now. His winning percentage is essentially five forty. It's five thirty nine. I don't know how up to date that was, but as of earlier this week. Um, when I when I wrote all this down, uh, he's got you know three World Series and now has one title. So yeah, you know I, I think he's going to go down as one of the top ten uh, when he retires. You know what, man? There was a man. He didn't manage that long. What about Tom Kelly? Anyone mention him? No, but it's funny. A lot of people, like baseball type people, really respect him and. Gordon Hire. So there's something about the twins managers that I think they but no, I he 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 wasn't on this list. I, I don't I think he had too many losing seasons. Yeah. Um Dick Williams. Yeah, we I, we discussed Dick Williams in the last one. I you know, he has fifteen hundred and seventy one wins, uh went to four World Series and and won two. So I definitely I I, I, I portrayed him To me the idea that he that the idea that he brought the Padres for the World Series. 
yes. just little things like that, like, like with Jim Leland. I think uh, you know, I, I look at him, Jay, as the Larry Brown of major league managers. Like Leland? Uh, no, um, Dick Williams. Dick. Okay, yeah. Managed at a, you know, managed at a lot of different teams, like a big time X's and O old school baseball guy. Not always the guy you got along with all that great, but really uh, you know, upper level baseball mind, just like Larry Brown is considered like an upper level, upper echelon basketball mind, and coached in a lot of places, didn't always get along with everyone. I think those two were very similar. Now, Jim Leland, what's your take on him? Well, again, I, I respected him, always did. Did, they, did anyone mention him? Yes, yes, he was mentioned, yes. Mike Sosha? Mike Sosha has more win, has more wins than um, than like Dick Williams. He has 1,650 wins, winning percentage of 536. He only went to one World Series and won it and uh, at Dusty's expense. But, yeah, he won a lot of games as a, by the same winning percentage as Dusty. Uh, Highly yeah, respected. Like, of course, you know, the, the, the La Russa uh, are going to get mentioned. Um, yeah, Again, La Russa. Like, now, La Russa. Like, you know, I used to read. Oh, I'm sorry. La Russa, his winning percentage is identical to Mike Sosha's. Yeah. So, 53? 53. Yeah, 5-3-6. But he went to six World Series and won three. Now, he won way more games. He coached way longer. Yeah, uh, think about Larusa. Larusa one of those coaches where where he well one of those managers. You know where he go, he wins. Um, I, I, hey man, I remember <laughs> reading the old almanacs as a kid, man, and like and and as a kid, you pick up on these things like, whoa, I didn't know Larusa uh, managed the White Sox. Like, like it's always stuff like that. Always fascinated. That always fascinated me as a kid. Like Sparky Anderson with the Reds. Like yes. I had, you know, I didn't have any idea. As a kid, but when you read the almanacs, it's, it's, it's just open up a whole new world, you know. I absolutely um, love reading that stuff. Yeah. I got, I got to take a break. I got to take a break. Call right, back next you, hour nice, if you'd like. Uh, nice talking to you. Thank you. All right, thank you. We'll take a break and be back. This is footnotes on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The little MVPs. The little MVPs. Now, a Major League Baseball team that struggles to win games despite having multiple MVP winners on its roster. Also known as the Los Angeles Angels. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote. And footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. I need to correct myself. A mistake that I made. You know, I was just joking off the air. You know what happens when you assume. I assume since LSU's played every game at 6 o'clock, it seems like since it started that all their games are going to be at 6 o'clock. Not the case. Game one is scheduled for 6, but game two is scheduled for 2 o'clock. I'm assuming they're just trying to not conflict with 
Sunday Night Baseball, since it's all kind of an ESPN deal, I, I don't, I don't know. But um, I assumed incorrectly, and therefore said it wrong. So I apologize there, but wanted to correct it. Game two scheduled for two o'clock. Be a little steamier than it will be at six, but no different than you know all the other side of the bracket has been playing all their games at one o'clock. So it's um. Should could uh, it makes it a little more convenient? Now I know everyone out there is not an Astro and an LSU fan, but I would think there are quite a bit of baseball fans out there in our area who pull for the Astros and LSU. Um, but you know, obviously, we know over there's a lot of Cardinal fans and Yankee fans and Punk fans and Red Sox fans, etc. But but no, I wanted to correct that. Two o'clock on Sunday, which is probably a little better for me. It's been difficult for me this week because I'm like watching this game maybe on TV or this game on my phone and this game on my phone. Uh, those of us who are married, sometimes we don't totally get our way when how the viewing goes. You know, you have to, it's a give and take process. You have to, uh, you know, there are times where you put your foot down and you say, look, uh, this is what we're watching. Uh, and then even though it um, <coughs> might anger your wife, depending on what kind of mood she's in or what happened that day, marriage is a give and take. Thing. You know, you can't always get your way. And so uh, more than once this week, I had the Astros on one phone, LSU on the other phone. And then some of the time, one of them was on TV and the other one was on my phone. So it's been it's been kind of interesting. But so for Sunday and now Saturday is going to be complicated, like both playing at the same time and um kind of want to follow both and it just depends on the situation I have to um I have to um we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out and then it's a lot of times on Saturday you're not just by you know sometimes you're out somewhere and so it complicates it so it, it'll be um interesting viewing but it, no game should be good you know growing up I call them the punks and I'm and the reason why I call the Dodgers the punks is because of all the punks that they had on their team over the last few years and, and all the, you know, anti-Astro silliness that they did, whether it was Kelly or Bellinger now to be. And then they had Bauer, who's like one of the biggest punks around. The The irony of it is those guys aren't even on the team anymore. So I don't know. Maybe if they if they behave – over the next year or so, uh, I'll stop calling them the punks since uh, since most of those guys that were punks on their team a few years ago aren't even on the team anymore. Uh, I really don't have um, a problem with, um, I don't know, you know, I don't have a problem with Mookie Betts. Most of the players on their team I don't have a problem with now, so maybe I need to give them a break there. But um, their biggest problem has been bullpen. And they they didn't give up any runs against their little MVPs in that little two-game sweep. But uh, their problem is the bullpen, and we'll see if the Astros can take advantage. It, it's kind of the Astros are where they're going to be pitching uh, rookies 
essentially, and Blanco and Brown, and they're gonna, and the punks are going to be doing the same with Sheehan and Miller. So we'll see how it, it should be an interesting series. You know, my number one prerequisite going into or goal going into any series: just don't get swept, especially starting a ten-game road trip. You don't want to get swept. Hopefully, they don't. So um, that one will be late tonight, nine nine something start, and we'll see how um, if the Astros can hit. Who's in the lineup? You know, Dusty's starting to get a lot more criticism for who he's playing and not playing. I, I don't know. That's the part that I just can't get too upset about. I disagree with some people who get too worried about who what the lineup is from day to day. But uh, hopefully, no matter what it is, they're productive. That's it for one hour, another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. Obviously, so much of the buzz talking sports world around here today is LSU's dramatic 2 to nothing win over Wake Forest with a two-run homer in the bottom of the 11th inning by Tommy White and, uh, you know, great game, classic, epic, whatever term you want to use. And LSU will now move on to play Florida in the best of three championship series beginning at 6 o'clock on Saturday. And for those of you who were had not paid attention since last night's game or when the game time was Sunday, it's 2 o'clock Sunday. Um, and then we'll, you know, if necessary – on Monday. So anyone who has any thoughts about that, certainly feel free to call. The NBA draft was last night, and I followed that online. I wasn't watching. It was too complicated with all the other stuff we were watching. But as I said yesterday, I kind of expected it, unless there was some sort of trade of a current star, to be pretty as expected. I didn't know that Jordan Hawkins would fall to 14. So when I saw who the Pels got, I'm like, that sounds pr- like pretty good for 14. I, you know, I, you know, you always need shooting, and you know, you could argue he was, you know, one of the best, if not the best shooter in the in, available in the first round. So even though there was some rumors they were going to trade up and all. It didn't happen, but it seemed like they they helped themselves with some shooting, and that's good. And uh, when you have creators already, and McCollum was capable of creating, and Ingram, just because there's so much emphasis on him, can create some things. Having shooters like him and Murphy, you could see that working out. So from a Pelican standpoint, it sure seemed like they helped themselves last night with that first-round pick, and now it's just a matter of is Zion going to, you know, be healthy and mature and all of that kind of stuff. We'll t- time time will tell on that. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. How you doing, Kevin? 
Oh, pretty good. Who who do the Cardinals play this weekend? Uh, I don't know. You caught me off guard. I'm, oh, they go to London. They play in Saturday and Sunday. They were off yesterday, off today, and off Monday. And they play Saturday and Sunday in London against the Cubs. London? Yeah, London. I didn't – wow, that caught me off guard. I did not know they were playing games in London. That's so stupid. Yeah, two days. So they walk three days out of five, and they play Saturday and Sunday in London. All right. Well, hopefully they have jet lag because the Astros play them next week, I believe. But I, I wanted to mention a, a game that that game last night was so good. You know, for being just a great pitcher's duel and stuff. It's a kind of game. If you didn't enjoy that, then probably you shouldn't be watching baseball. But. Uh, it reminded me so much of a game in 2011, which was game five of the uh, – it was in the playoff round. I don't know what they called it. Was it a division round or whatever? But it was the Cardinals in the Philly. And the series was 2-2. It was a best of five to advance to the, to the, L, to the LCS. And it was Chris Carpenter and Roy Halladay. And it ended up one to nothing. They both pitched virtually the entire game. And it was that same exact kind of game with all the tension and knowing that you, you lose, you go home. And just it was so much reminded me of that game. Like you can, you remember Roy Halladay, he was pretty darn good. And Carpenter was a bulldog. When he was healthy, it was just hard to ever keep him healthy. But when he was pitching, he was the kind of guy you wanted on the mound. And how but, did it uh, end? The what? How did it end that game? Well, it didn't end dramatically. It just ended one to nothing. The Cardinals scored a run early, and, and nobody ever scored again. But they had a lot <laughs> of chances. There was a lot of drama in it where you kept thinking they were going to score, and then the pitchers would do what they had to do to, to stop it. I mean – that was the uh, series where on the last play of the game, Ryan Howard, like, grounded out and tore his, pulled his, uh, tore his Achilles. Oh, yes, I remember that, yeah. Which, which pretty much ended his career. And that Philly staff, I don't know if you probably might not remember this, but uh, that pitching staff, they had Roy Halladay, Cole Hamels, Cliff Lee, and you know who was probably their fourth starter? I guess he was getting a little bit old, but he, I mean, he was a pretty darn good pitcher. Your old boy, uh, Roy Oswald. Oswald, yeah. So that was a pretty good staff, huh? A- a- absolutely. And that was Charlie Manuel, right? I believe so. We, I believe we, so. we were talking about Charlie Manuel earlier this week as, you know, he didn't have, you know, two or 3,000 wins like some of these guys, but are. But he had, he had a thousand wins, a winning percentage of five forty eight. He went to two World Series and won one. I think when people talk about the great man, he's he's probably forgotten. But I think he's kind of underrated over the last twenty years or so. Yeah, what are you talking? You saying this underrated? Manager? Underrated, yeah. Well, you know who I'd bring up. I always used to bring him up to you. Well, I know I've brought him up before. Is that Billy Southworth? Yet we talked about him earlier this week. I was reading about him the other day I, when I heard you talking about managers and I looked him up or something, and they, he had kind of an unusual life. And he lost like three of his four kids in like two in childbirth and one in some kind of weird accident. And he, uh, 
they said he did good. Like I was like, well, what made him so good? Like those Cardinal teams under him, a couple of those was like during World War II. And a lot of the players had to go into the army and, you know, the military. And they said with Brand Tricky, the Cardinals were one of the first organizations that really developed a, a big farm system. Right. And they kind of had an advantage. Like when all these players were going into the military, they had a lot more guys to like kind of fill the spots, so to speak. And I think that probably gave him a little bit of an advantage during some of those years. Absolutely. Branch Richie, Ricky was, you know, more than just the, you know, the whole Jackie Robinson thing, which is his own huge thing. But he, he, he was an innovator in a lot of ways in the game of baseball, no question. They like, said they said Southworth, you know who he played for? And they said he he didn't like this guy, so he used a different managerial style. He was more of a kind of like a player's manager and tried to, to deal with their personal stuff. He wasn't like the real – he played for John McGraw yeah, who, when he was young. We haven't gotten to we need to do later this hour because he's one of the more fascinating guys in the history of baseball. I appreciate the call. I didn't know this. Southworth played on the Cardinals. He was on that 2016 that won their first World Series with Grover Alexander. All righty. So, Thanks for the call. All right. You have a good one. Yep. Billy Southworth, we talked about earlier this week. That was um, Dawson's thing, and I stole it from him. So did you have another one that we haven't gotten to yet? No, I, I had been thinking of kind of modern-day guys. Um I always I think AJ Hinch. It's it's interesting to see where his arc is going to go from here. It's obviously a difficult set of circumstances with how it ended in Houston and then now moving on. I just but I, did I always like him. Yes, I felt like the potential was there for him to create something really special and and long you know the longevity there and you know it's a different conversation for a different day. But I think he got a pretty sour end of the deal at the end of all of it with how the punishments were handed out. But um, so him and. You know, kind of that modern new school. The interesting thing is, but we're seeing even the, the guys who have won World Series in the modern era, there hasn't been any sort of consistency with it, right? Like, there hasn't been any sort of, I mean, we've seen kind of outlier World Series won in Washington, and and it's not been any sort of run other than, and even now Dusty, right? Dusty wins one, but this isn't the beginning of a Dusty dynasty era where he's going to win four or five World Series, because who knows how long he's even going to be managing, so... There's not like a, a clear cut modern guy for me at least that I can. Well, put Booger ahead. Boach won three. Now the thing yeah. about him is his overall winning percentage is it's right about fifty fifty. It's it's not really yeah. overall that good, but he's doing well this year, and he does have a history. He's been to four World Series and won three of them. So he's kind of um, kind of the modern guy who who who's doing really well and then for years and years like we said Mike Sosha um did really well Joe Madden is a guy that was highly respected but like I don't know if he's going to manage anymore Yeah and I thought of him at first too and that's another one just kind of weird how it ended it, it just felt like for a while he was the hot name and then it just ended up not working once he went to his last couple stops and that makes you it always makes you stop and wonder, but again, it's baseball. It's just different. It's not like you can take your system the way you can in football and install the offense, and now you're, you know, you're dealing with the guys you have, and that's really what you. That's all you can do. I mean, the man won a World Series for the Cubs. Right, right. So I think it's certainly fair to be on this this conversation with him, but then it's just tough to think about 
when it doesn't work the next place, or it does maybe the next place, but after that, how much do we put on him and how much do we put on the situation he was put in and everything around it? And he won a lot of games with the Rays. I mean, two teams that, you know, were not like, you know, the Yankees and the Punks or, and, and, that, and those kind of teams. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. 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 So I was listening earlier and um, still talking about the LSU situation. I'm not a huge baseball fan, but I, I, I was, of course, watching LSU and especially the College War Series. And you may have touched on this, but why is Skeens not going to play in the uh, in the championship as a pitch count or not enough rest days? Yeah, I mean, like he he pitched on four days rest yesterday and a lot of people thought that he wasn't going to pitch yesterday because it was the first time he had pitched on that little rest all season so now even even if it goes three games to the if necessary game on Monday you're talking about pitching on three days rest and very few major league pitchers ever pitch on three days rest now when I was growing up Everyone pitched on three days rest, but it's just not done that way anymore. And so he's a guy that's about to make millions. He's going to be picked in the top probably two or three or four in the major league draft next month. And so you don't want to, like, get him hurt and and then ruin his whole future either. So, you know, it's a rest situation. Now, if I'm an LSU fan and I don't know that it's going to happen, what I would do is uh, just do a rain dance for the next two days. And just hope that, you know, you, you, you get like a deluge that goes through for two days and then back, backs the series back a couple of days. That would help LSU. Then he's got his five days yeah. ready to go. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I figured that's what it was. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, I'm glad he brought that up because we didn't really talk about that today. There was so much discussion and so much of yesterday's show was all the different scenarios having to do with, you know, pitch him or don't pitch him and or pitch him in relief and all that. And again, it all kind of made some sense depending on how you presented it. But it turns out that did you hear anything? Cause like I, I didn't hear any of the post game stuff. I bet you they never seriously considered not pitching him. Uh, did anybody Paul, comment on that officially? Skeens? Yeah. Yeah, Skeen specifically said it wasn't much of a conversation in his mind because he was asked what was the conversation like and he said, you know, they asked how I felt, but it wasn't really a conversation in my mind. And and, a, and Jay Johnson did mention when he wrote down, he talked about his plan that he wrote down once they lost to Wake, he wrote down names for each day, and he said on Thursday night he wrote down Paul Skeens' name, and that was the end of Thursday night, right? It was Skeens and whoever else they needed. And that the other days he had, you know, he had listed Ackenhausen Cooper, all the different guys that were available, but he had written Skeens down. I guess if Skeens had came to him and said, I'm sore, but obviously he wasn't going to do that. So, no, I don't think there was ever much question, even if they – led on to believe there so was. it was fascinating conversation for us but for them it really wasn't much of it and again I was thinking the same way and then when Koki was so adamant about the other one and I started thinking well I guess there's some points there and again like the points David brought it were really good points I mean I could see someone rationalizing that in their mind but um when the season's on the line, and, you want your best guy there. Yeah, and again, I, I don't like to play result-oriented thinking, but if you want to do that game, they obviously needed to throw him last night because do you think anyone else is throwing eight shutout innings? Even with as good as those guys have been, 
you feel like Wake Forest scores a couple of runs throughout that game, if not, and you don't win. Yeah, the game. and so I mean they should have scored the right one with 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 My but, point being the idea that we had this discussion: do they need him to win? Right. Right. I, it, it looks like it ended up they did because probably they did. Well. Yes, yeah. that 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 that's a fair comment. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is footnotes on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching mop-up time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid. Stupid. Not to worry, we have EMT standing by just in case Foot passes out. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline 337-706-0111. It is summertime, and yet with LSU winning, it's like it's not really, really, really summertime, uh, sports talk radio-wise, and it's almost July. Um and so Win, lose, or draw. Obviously, they're not going to draw, but that's kind of something we say. Win, lose, or draw against Florida. I mean, it's going to be, we're going to really be sniffing July when the College World Series Championship Series is over with. So we're only going to have, now I know some people have been on vacations and all that personally, but I'm talking about just like sports talk radio-wise. Some people... We're only going to have like three weeks of actual summer summer because SEC Sunbelt Media Days are going to be, you know, late July. Football Media Days, and that kind of kicks off. The summer kind of ends there. Man, it's just getting this is um, kind of compact there. I kind of, I mean... I enjoy the summer because my little mind can decompress a little bit. But um, for some people, it it drags on a little too long because they like constant action in this microwave society. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Footsie. Howdy, sir. Footsie, I I was wondering, you were saying that the SEC plays in popcorn parks. How would you know this? Well, I've heard a lot of people say it, and they just hit a million home runs. Well, it's not, it's not their fault that the ball's juiced. And here's the, here's the thing. Let me explain this to you. Uh, I'm by the train yard, just in case man is wondering. Okay. Uh, if, you, if you hear the train in the background. Anyway, uh, you know, in the 13 games that have been played at Charles Schwab Field this year, the under is 11-2. and two. Not yesterday, but the two days before, the wind was blowing in at 15 to 20 miles an hour. It knocked down a couple of home run balls. So I'm just not 100% sure 
that, you know, we, we can make a general statement that, well, the SEC, you know, plays in these popcorn parks. And here's the deal. Uh, those people that don't like the SEC, well, guess what? The SEC is going to win another national championship. Well, so it doesn't even matter. The last five, so. it, it, it doesn't even matter whether you pick the SEC or Wake ACC. If, you, if they play these games at LSU, if last night's game was played at Wake Forest or at LSU, there's no way it's it's two to nothing in eleven innings. That's not. There's no way. Well, and, and that very well might be true, but it might it might have been three to two. We we don't know that. I mean, no, but again, how, how many times, whether it's the ACC or the Big 12 or the SEC, how many times, however many games we've played in the College World Series so far, could you play that many games and no one get to 10 runs? Well, with the winds blowing in. It, it, or even eight runs. runs. It's kind of- it's kind of like Wrigley Field when yeah, the wind's blowing ain't, in. You don't this ain't home run. run derby. It's baseball. Like you can score a run without hitting a home run. Well, no, I, I understand that. I one hundred percent understand that. But uh, nobody can bunt. I, I, I can tell you that. And here's the deal: with the boys from Wake Forest, the I mean, the ball was only traveling a hundred miles an hour, and he had an aluminum bat. I mean. Yeah, it's kind of hard to dead in a hundred mile an hour fastball with aluminum bat. No, I don't think his bunt was that bad. I think the runner no, either I don't got think off it was to a, a, bad, a bad bunt either. But yeah. I mean, why 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 did it go so far? Because because you know that that's why. I mean, uh, you know, because the the man was throwing a hundred miles an hour, and uh, you know he was doing it with aluminum bat. They don't know how to deaden the ball. That stupid thing with your fingers out and all that, that that's not how you bunt a baseball. I don't know who came up with that, but that's not how you bunt a baseball. I agree. And I'm, just, I'm just telling you, my father taught me how to bunt a baseball. I could deaden a baseball, and I never had my fingers all out and, and my thumb on top and all that. that, that that's stupid. You want to talk about stupid? That is stupid. I mean, that's not how you bunt, and that's why they don't know how to bunt baseballs today. I think that's fair. So, I think you're right. And by the way, they once had a man say, bunt and win. And if you look at the College World Series, they got a lot of teams that didn't, that couldn't bunt, and they didn't win. Couldn't, couldn't get Absolutely. Yes, sir. All right, Foots. All right, take care. Again, I, I don't think – I'm not saying teams like Wake and LSU and all these great offensive teams that have scored a million runs all year long, I don't – I'm not saying they should have bunted in those games. When you're playing 13 to 7 games, I'm not saying you necessarily should bunt. I'm saying you need to have the ability to bunt when you need it. And when your season's on the line in Omaha, you should be able to get a bunt down. At least mo- at least some of your guys or most of them. Now, the reason why I said SEC is that you know, we're in SEC country. We talk about SEC baseball, and we're talking about LSU. And so I think we all fooled ourselves, this idea that LSU doesn't have any pitching because we were basing that on how they performed in SEC series and SEC ballparks and regular season games. That's not the same thing. Like so many of those games, these high-scoring games that LSU played all year long, if they were playing those games – 
here in this ballpark, I don't think they would have scored that many runs. And so I, 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 I'm saying that we were just thinking a little wrong about LSU pitching. In other words, it's just a little easier to pitch. And when the wind's blowing in, to Bitter's point, that that gives the pitchers even more of an advantage and forces you to play baseball, and not a lot of people no, play baseball anymore. They just don't. I mean, that's not just an SEC thing or a college thing. There are plenty of major league teams that don't play a lot of baseball. You take away their home run, the punks are one up. Like the, like the punks, like half their runs are scored on home runs. So – it's going to be important in this series that the Astros make them score a run without having to hit a home run. Of course, I don't know with Blanco pitching. And I don't, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how if they're able to do that. But I, I just think it's been great because you've had to, yeah, there have been some home runs. You had a home run last night. That won the game. is going to go down as one of the most famous home runs in in Omaha World Series history I would think because of that but also you it so many of the games were not 12 to 10 well none of them were and I, I just happen to love that now again if if you love 13 to 10 baseball games that's your prerogative it's a free country like what you want and you might be disappointed I think it's been fabulous it's not just that the games were close that I think this has been such a good World Series. If all these games were 16 to 15, I would not be saying this is the best World Series ever. I would not be liking it at all. I just I just don't like that much. Like 42. I, in football, I call it 42-40. You know, I haven't ever come up with that baseball term, a baseball equivalent, but that's what I'm talking about. The too high scoring is just, I don't know. It's not supposed to be that easy. And so when it's that easy, that doesn't impress me. Like, if you're playing, you know, if, if all these NBA, and, and at times this year there was about a two- or three-week stretch in the middle of the NBA season, it was getting like that, where it seemed like every game was 140 to 130, like some sort of NBA All-Star game. That's not good. It's not supposed to be that easy. If it's that easy, then I'm not impressed. Like, if you throw four no-hitters in a week, that don't impress me. That's too many no-hitters. Something's not right. Something's not right. It's just not. Can't have that many. It's not impressive if everybody's doing it. So I, I just, so I, I love what's going on right now. It's just tremendous. Tremendous College World Series, and we'll see how the championship game. But I really, I'd be surprised if it's not a great championship series. You got two teams that know one another, and um, there'll be enough pitching. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. 
The game hotline, 706-0111, if you would like to get in, talk any more about LSU and Wake Forest or the College World Series overall or preview the LSU-Florida Series, which begins around 6 o'clock on Saturday, certainly in all of that is to um, up for discussion right now. We are finishing up our week of talking about all-time MLB managers. And one of the things that is interesting about evaluating the best MLB managers, if you just go with, you know, some of the winningest coaches of all time, like Connie Mack, Connie Mack is like the George Hallis of major leagues. He has 3,700 victories. 3,700. But his winning percentage is 486. He just managed forever. He went to nine World Series and won five of them. But does that mean he's even a top five manager? Now, he's a top five most accomplished manager. In that he's been, you know, he has five World Series and more wins than anybody. But does that make him the all-time best manager because he managed forever? I don't know. I don't know that I would put him that high, although he's got a great name. Cornelius McGittacully. That What a great, great name. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, sir. I got a manager for. I want to talk about the LSU game. I got a manager for you. Okay. How about, uh, uh, how about Bruce Bochy? Well, one that's coaching right now still, managing right now still. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about Obugabochi. He's won three of them. Now, again, he's been to four World Series and won three of them, which is tremendous. His overall winning percentage is about 50 50, though. So now you'd have to examine that and see how many really bad teams he's played. But he's had more losing seasons than a lot of these other great managers have had. Yeah, but Kevin, he's fixing teams that won the World Series. They were not really that good. No, and, I, I mean, agree. I, you have to think that he does a great manager from job. He does good stuff with less talent, well, better than other managers do. I agree. Okay, Kevin, let's talk about the game last night. You know what that game was last night? That was a Roy McAvoy game last night. You know what I mean by that? Tell me. You know who Roy McAvoy is, right? Uh, movie? A Tin Cup. Yeah. Well, you know, at the end of the show, when he hit that 12, kept on going in the water, you know, after the thing, you know, everybody was cheering when he finally got on, and his girlfriend came up to him. He said, man, I can't believe I did that. And the girlfriend said, boy, nobody's going to remember who won the U.S. Open this year, but they're going to remember your 12. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody in 20 years now is going to remember who won this year, but guess what? They're going to remember that game. No, that's fair. Well, I mean, people will remember. And if LSU, if well, LSU, unless they play some great game in the finals, if if LSU wins it all, that game will be more will be what people talk about. Yeah, more than the games well, in the championship series, more than likely, more than likely. Yeah. Well, even if they lose, I mean, you know what I mean. Everybody's going to talk because I, I guarantee you, both these pitchers are going to be successful in the major leagues. You know, and, and God forbid they hook up again in the major league. What What's going to be? They're going to be talking about this Roy McAvoy game that we saw last night. Because that game there is going to live on forever. And uh, a, World Se- uh, a World Series title, whoever wins it, 
that will not be as remembered as that game was last night. You might be right. Have a good one. Take care. You might be right. Um, now, again, the way this World Series is going, we might have more classic games to, to be had this weekend. We don't know what we're in for. But more than likely, a lot of what he just said is it, it, there's probably a lot of lot 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 of lot of truth to that. Um, a couple managers, I think, one of the most underrated managers ever is a guy named Al Lopez. He he only went to two World Series, and he didn't win either one. So he doesn't have the hardware to maybe support him. But he won. His winning percentage is 584. Essentially, Earl Weaver without the World Series. Like, Earl Weaver won 1,480 games. Al Lopez won 1,410. Earl Weaver had a 583 winning percentage. Al Lopez had a 584 winning percentage, essentially the same. Earl Weaver went to four World Series and won one. And Lopez went to two and didn't win any. But he, um, in fact, I'd have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure Lopez's team had the most wins when Seattle had that season where they won 116 games. I think they surpassed uh, uh, a season that, that Lopez had with the Indians. Uh, back in the 50s. But uh, I, he's a guy who never gets mad. You don't hear his name hardly ever. But, when, you know, there's not that many guys who have won more than um, have better than a 584 winning percentage. Now, I'm not talking about, in, you know, he won 1,400 games, so it wasn't like he just managed a few years. Um, the one guy who does, and again, it's just, a, you know, Joe McCarthy. He went to nine World Series and won seven. He was in the, those, you know, so many of those great Yankee teams. So does that mean he's a great manager? You know, doesn't mean he's not. But he won, his winning percentage is 615. He's the only one on this whole list here with a winning percentage that starts with a six. But again, he was, he managed some of the best teams in the history of the game, you know, murderer's row kind of stuff. And so it's hard to, 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 it's hard for me to say, well, he's the best manager. Well, he's got, he's got seven world series titles. So does Casey Stengel. What's the common denominator? What they manage the Yankees when the Yankees were getting all the best players and they didn't only, they went right to the world series. See, I, I, I'm of the opinion and I think it's just common sense, that many of those years that they went to the World Series in that era, they wouldn't have been in the World Series had they had to play three playoff rounds to get there. You know, like they they would have gotten beat. Now, maybe the majority of the time they would have gone to the World Series still. But, it you know, in the sport of baseball, if, if you have two or three playoff rounds that you have to go through, before you even get to the World Series, you're going to lose some of those. You're not going to win every one of them. I mean, they might have won, you know, seven out of ten, but probably three of those, or I'm just throwing out a number, They somebody would have upset them. It's just baseball. 
And so back then it was easier. In some ways you can compare baseball 100 years ago to now better than you can compare basketball and football because the game is just better. So it hasn't changed that much because the game has stood the test of time where the other sports, the game does, the games don't stand the test of time. You got to really alter those games because the athletes outgrow them. In baseball, that's not really the case for the most part. I mean, there's some minor changes that have been made, certainly. But, but the one thing that is so hard to compare is in this theme of managers because, again, back then – the Casey Stingles and the Joe McCarthy's, they went right to the World Series. They didn't have to win all these playoff series. Just ask the punks, how good have they been over the last 12 years? They've been tremendous with how many wins they've had. But they don't have a lot of World Series to show for it because it's it's still hard to beat a good team in a playoff series. And all the for the first hundred years of baseball, those teams never had to do that. They never had to beat a good team in a playoff series. They went right to the World Series. For literally for the first hundred years, nineteen sixty nine was when that stopped. And even then, from sixty nine until the mid nineties, you only had to win five. You only had to win three. It was best of five. Well, mid eighties, right around sometime in the eighties, they went that five game series went to seven. The Astros lost to the Phillies, should have been the World Series in 1980. That was a five-game series. And then when they should have went to the World Series in 86, that was a seven-game series. I don't know what year. Sometime between 80 and 86, it went from five to seven. But still, even then, you only needed to win three or four. Well, now, you know, you might have, you have, you have, you may have three series to go through, depending on how you get to the playoffs. So it's it's a little different. I, you know, John McGraw, who original Saints fan brought up indirectly, he won twenty seven hundred sixty three games, had a winning percentage of five eighty six, very similar, almost identical to Al Lopez and Earl Weaver. So I just don't look at the total amount of wins. I think winning percentage is important, and who did you manage is important. Um. Casey Stingle was just a jewel. He was like, you know, even if you hate the Yankees, how do you hate Casey Stingle and Yogi Berra? I mean, those guys are just jewel. And even Joe Torre. I'm sure there's some Red Sox fans who just hate Joe Torre. But to me, Joe Torre is kind of like Coach Cook. It's hard to really hate him. I mean, he just seems like, a good guy. Uh, so that's one of the ironies of the Yankees for a while. So many, some people just love the Yankees. Some people hate them. It's hard to hate Casey Stingle, Yogi Berra, and Joe Torre. Now, Billy Martin, he's real easy to hate. But some of these other guys that have been Yankee managers, Bob Lemon, I mean, how do you hate Bob Lemon? I mean, he's just, uh, that's one thing I got to give the Yankees. They don't have a lot of managers that are easy to hate. All right, we'll take a commercial break. Come back. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No. 
seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the Forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10 and 6, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13 to 12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness and ineptness or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote and footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. We won't have time to take any more phone calls, but again, another big weekend. Uh, College World Series Championship Series will begin tomorrow. Only one day's rest. It just kind of man, they they got more they got more time off in NBA, way more time off in NBA playoffs than you get in the championship series, and so. The thought process is that Florida has a little bit of an advantage in that they didn't have to, you know, they did it the easy way through the winner's bracket. And I made the comment a couple days ago, if you like watching LSU baseball, this is the way to go. You got, you played great games. You got to enjoy victory over Tennessee and eliminate them, which, I mean, that's such a, a novelty. They got fans from Vanderbilt and Florida and, all over the SEC who probably hate LSU, but they hate Tennessee way more than they hate LSU. So they they relished LSU beating Tennessee. Um, and so, you know, you got to enjoy that. You got to enjoy last night's game, which, you know, many people are going to remember it for many, many years. That point's been made several times today, and I think accurately so. So it, it's it's more fun to do it this way. But there could be a price to pay on the other side. Um, But I also think in a microcosm, it's not necessarily as big a disadvantage as you might think it could be. And what I mean by that is we've all seen, like at the end of, let's just go, and I know that college baseball and the major leagues are not the same thing, but they're not, you know, it's still baseball. How many times have we seen, and this is a grander scale, but just to make a point, how many times have we seen a team get hot late in the baseball season, barely make the playoffs, and then actually perform better than a team that had already had all this rest and they've just, they've already, you know, they clinched two or three weeks ago uh, the division and they're the top seed and they're just coasting into the playoffs. And, and, and sometimes now there's normally a, you hit a wall at some point sometimes, but a lot of times you, you, you carry that momentum. LSU's got a lot of great momentum going right now because they won these games. Now, again, they might be more fatigued and they might not have as much pitching. And so that could come back to bite them. But like sometimes you're more ready to play, especially that first game when you're coming off these great wins while Florida's just been coast. Now, 
Florida hasn't coasted to get here. They just happen to win. Like LSU had to do this because they happen to lose a close, low-scoring game, three to two. You know, Florida's not scored a million runs. Their pitching's been good, just like just about everybody's pitching has been in Omaha. Um, and so it certainly wasn't bad, but they just happened to win two close, low-scoring one-run games. And so they've kind of had a pleasure cruise to get to the to the finals. Although when they beat TCU and the and when they eliminated TCU, they were up by a run and the and the guy's back was against the wall when he caught it. What percentage of ballparks in the country would that have been a home run? Like 90 something percent of them probably that would have been a home run. But at Charles Schwab Fib in Omaha on that day it wasn't a home run and TCU got eliminated. So I get the the thought process that Florida's got a big advantage, but I've also seen, especially in the first game, that sometimes riding that wave of momentum and and excitement and from from having to play these games like LSU had, they might be a little more ready for the intensity of game one, especially at the beginning than Florida. We'll see how it plays out. Again, I think the ballpark will get some of them out. And so the pressure of the moment will get some of them out. So, yes, you don't have your best pitcher. But, again, just about everybody's pitched well in Omaha. It's not like, it's not, to my point earlier, it's not, you can't think about SEC play here. This is different. This is a totally different so I, I think LSU will have a little more pitching, and I think it's proven so than a lot of us were thinking going into this because the ballpark and the circumstances and the pressure get you out too. They help the pitcher. Should be interesting. Have a nice weekend.